Intersection is brought to you by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Learn more at touchpoint.health. So I'm just going to start. Okay. The first question I ask everybody, don't answer it yet. What is your greatest passion? Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. My greatest passion is falling in love with Jesus Christ. Wow. You just never know how people will answer that question. Definitely. That's really everything to me. And it's funny because even if you, as you said that, I thought of all of the more like reasonable things that I could have said, but like, like, um, making people feel loved or, you know, uh, building a business or creativity or these kinds of things, which I guess I've used at different times or, you know, in implementing justice or standing up for the voiceless. But all of it, I guess, still stems from the same thing, falling in love with Jesus and allowing him to shape me and and becoming more like him in the process and loving like he loves and being passionate about what he's passionate about. And yeah, that really is my greatest joy. Get ready for this story. My name's Jordan Scott, and I... And as you decipher her unique accent... Oh, it's hard to introduce yourself, because it's like, well, what part of my life do you want to know? I'm a wife. <laughs> um, I'm married to Dylan, and we live in Anderson, South Carolina now. But I was born and raised in Sydney, Australia, and I own my own business. I'm a florist. Um, yeah, so many different parts of my life. <laughs> it's like, which one do I introduce myself as? Tell us the name of your your shop. Yes, I have a shop. It's called Forage, or Forage, if you're American. <laughs> Some people want to go porridge. Porridge. Yeah, forage like porridge. Yeah. Like forage. Porridge. I'm from South Carolina. I'm forage. Exactly. Forage. Forage botanics. And um, I'm a florist, mostly wedding florist. Um, but really, I just love the people that come through my doors and being able to chat with them. It's funny what people would talk about when they're in a shop to the person that's behind the register I feel like it's people you immediately feel like they're a removed objective third party to your life when you meet someone in a shop so I really did just start it to get to know the community better and get to know Anderson better and um, my background was in freelance floristry even though I have a philosophy degree so I didn't study floristry it was just something I did on the side and it was something that I knew how to do and I just wanted to meet people in Anderson and and love the people of Anderson and so that was my way to to get in there and so yeah I I play with flowers all day and I meet amazing people and I really love my job. Well, when I walk into your shop, the first thing I notice is this is not your typical southern shop. 
<laughs> when I think of a typical Southern shop, I think I'm going to walk in and there's going to be roses everywhere. <laughs> there's going to be trinkets everywhere. It's going to be all over the walls and it's just going to be loaded down with stuff. And the person behind the desk that's collecting the orders are running around like crazy, trying to do tons and tons of roses. And that's why I expect out of a southern florist shop. Mm-hmm. When I walk into Forage, that's not what you get. I get this minimalistic, I feel like I'm in New York City with a very bright white background and minimalistic approach to displaying uh, your flowers that are probably arranged within the last week or the last couple of days, things that go along with your passions. So how did you bring that here? That's not normal. I mean, what what's your approach to f- making flowers? <laughs> Ah, that was um, lovely. I appreciate and receive everything that you just said about my shop. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. I have um, uh, a constant frustration about clutter. I feel like um, people buy so many $10 items (laughs) that... Because they're $10, they just buy it because it looks cool or it, you know, it, it... they feel like it might add something to their life, but before you know it, you're in, I, I used to be like this too. You just have so much stuff everywhere and it stresses you out and um, you can't think straight and you have no peace because your life is just cluttered. And I feel like there are just so many people with just really cluttered lives and really... Um, cluttered minds and cluttered hearts that are just packed full of just stuff and we don't always think why why is this here why why have I added this to my life where did I pick this up or why is this on my shelf or what function does this fulfill for me or is this beautiful to me it's just we just have stuff and we don't often think about it and so um uh the minimalism movement I guess is something that changed my mind and life a lot of just being really intentional about what I have in my home and so also what I have in my mind and my heart as well and just trying to live a a clutter-free life so that I have space for the things that really matter to me and just living more intentionally and living slower and um and being less distracted by the clutter that we have in our lives and so I guess that was something that um that I mean Sydney as a city is maybe more set up to live that way minimalism is more I I guess you could say it's more fashionable in Sydney um, than it is here and so when I moved here I couldn't find any places that I could go to where I felt the same peace that I felt in some places that I was used to at home Um, you know the cafes that I would go to where I could stare at a blank wall and let my mind wander and feel the peace that comes from being in a place that isn't cluttered and so honestly I wanted to create a space for myself that was peaceful that I found I could be um, that was bright that I, I could rest in and that I could really think about the things that are important to me 
and work against this tide of consumerism where everyone's always trying to get you to buy something that you don't need. Um, I care about intentional living and so intentional purchases and um, and I wanted to be in a space where I was away from all of the clutter and the consumerism and I could build a space that I felt peaceful in and that hopefully other people would find peaceful when they came into and so um, something that I notice in culture just more widely is people would prefer to buy five things for five dollars than one thing for for forty dollars um, even if that one thing that costs a little bit more is going to last longer it's better to have more stuff than to have less stuff that might last longer and so I wanted to give that option mm, I wanted to give that option to a different market in Anderson of maybe just creating a sort of subculture in in a culture of consumerism to create a subculture that was um, more thoughtful about buying things that are ethical buying things that will last longer maybe their investments into your life and happiness in a way that yeah uh, uh, something that's cheaper that's going to break easily might do so I have a real emphasis on quality and craftsmanship um, creativity and originality and I I want what is in my studio to add and and contribute to someone's life in a way that's not just a you know the flowers are here one day and then they die the next and you never think about them again that was a very long answer to a very simple but, question but it's, <laughs> it's perfectly positioned because I feel like when I came to your shop for the first time, I walked in and it was a space at which conversations would generate as opposed to minds getting lost in the clutter. And so we had a very rich conversation that first time I walked in. We talked about tons of things, including philosophy. <laughs> and before I knew it, I was attracted to uh, the flower arrangement for my wife. And so I went ahead and asked you if is this something I can buy for her today? And you package it up. And when I took it home, Sarah was like, this is the best thing I've ever gotten because <laughs> I'm so used to you bringing me roses and everybody just gives roses. But this is something I can put in my house. Mm. And I would like for you to talk about that arrangement because it was a mixture of fresh flowers and flowers that could last for a while. Talk about your approach to building, I guess, that arrangement or bouquet. Yeah, that means a lot to me. <laughs> you're, you're really flattering me. Um, and it just, it, it shows me, I guess, from the way that you're receiving it, that what I'm putting out is being received in the way that I would want it to be received, which is just wonderful. I, um, first and foremost, want the space to be a space for connection and conversation. And um, I don't want it to feel busy. I want people to feel like they have all the time in the world and I have all of the time in the world for them. And so that is, that's my number one priority. Um, second to that, <laughs> I want the, the flowers themselves to, um, to help someone feel treasured. And this is what I say a lot for my, for the weddings that I do. I want my brides to feel treasured by the flowers that they have. Um, because when something's mass-produced and 
you know, the, the same florist puts together the same things every single day and they're not uniquely created for a specific person. They're not customized. They're not uniquely tailored for a person. It's easy to feel like you're just one in, in a million or you're just part of the machine. And I feel like there's enough things in culture that tell us that we're just like that. You know, everything, everything is 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 mass produced from Chick-fil-A to Walmart to to the places that we frequent every day to sitting in a movie cinema where you're you're anonymous and not seen we're so used to just always being given the same thing as everyone else all the time and so what I wanted was for every single woman that receives those flowers maybe men too (laughs) but for every single woman that receives those flowers to know that it's unique it's created just for her and no one else will ever have the same thing that she's getting because she deserves to be treasured and valued in that way and yeah I I work with fresh flowers obviously I love them I love the color but then I also work with dried and preserved flowers because (laughs) no one wants to spend $80 on an arrangement and then it's $80 it's gone in in four days because they've all died and they're in the you know the recycling bin the um, compost bin you what I want is for people to be able to have them on their bedside table for months years to remember the moment that somebody gave them something that was special and and made them feel treasured and for that to be a constant reminder of someone's worth and um yeah so I keep a lot of preserved flowers in the store and fresh flowers I do a lot of custom orders with fresh flowers but my goal is always that someone feels treasured and valued by what they receive and the gift that they receive through the flowers how in the world did that DNA your DNA find its way from Sydney Australia to the little itsy bitsy town of Anderson South Carolina (laughs) I always said that the one place I would never live is America. And then, wow, I don't know. But I'm so glad I'm here. I really am so glad I'm here. I um, finished my philosophy degree and... In Australia? In Sydney, Australia. And I was looking for what to do next. And um, I went to a college... It's Hillsong College. Hillsong is a is a church that's actually quite international now, but started in Sydney. And I just wanted to do a year of, of uh, I guess they called it pastoral leadership, but I just wanted to work out what I wanted to do, you know, and work out with God what I wanted to do and be around people who loved him too. And um, which is rare in Sydney. There aren't many, there are not many people that follow Jesus in Sydney. So I guess I wanted to be around people that kind of thought similarly. And I met um, I met a boy there. He'd been there for two years. He was from Greenville, um, South Carolina. And we um, came over to visit his family just before we got engaged to meet his family and so that I could see where he was from. And his parents had moved to Anderson from Greenville. And while we were here, um, we both had God separately tell us to move to Anderson. And whoa, 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 whoa. God, in your own way, said, come from Australia all the way around the globe with all your things to the small, tiny town of Anderson. That's a lot different yeah. from Sydney. I mean, that that's more than just picking up and moving. That is a drastic change. 
Yeah, it really was a drastic change. I mean, I was used to, yeah, my the lifestyle I was used to there is really different than here, and it did take a lot of a lot of getting used to. Um, but why? Because I want to go where he is, and he told me to move, and God's told me to do things before, and. And I just have learned to trust him. And I know that when I make my own decisions in my own way because of something that I want, it usually doesn't reward me in the way that I think it will. But I know that when I trust him and I do what he's asking me, even if it doesn't make sense in the moment, that it will it will be the best thing for me because he goes with me and I never want to be without God. And... We never, we never thought that we would live here. We, Dylan never thought that he would move back. Um, we, I guess, were, had our sights set on what city we were going to move to. Actually, I really wanted to live in the Middle East. <laughs> that was where I really wanted to live. Um, but when God said to move, we immediately made plans to move. We packed up everything in four weeks and moved from Sydney to Anderson and we fit all of our belongings. I fit everything in one suitcase and he fit everything in one. And we had two suitcases between the two of us and that was our whole life. That was everything. And we made Anderson home. Making Anderson home from Sydney, Australia, for him, he was naturalized here. Yes. So that transition was a lot easier for him. For you, I imagine that transition from a citizenship was a lot different. Talk about the challenges and what you had to go through to make that process possible. Well, we <clears throat> we actually got in, we got engaged in Sydney mm-hmm. right after we decided we were going to move together. And the day after we got engaged, we got legally married we signed the papers at the courthouse and got legally married so that I could get a spouse visa to come here and um, ever since I've been here I've been on a um, I guess my spouse visa has been processing so I don't have one yet it's been a year and a half of living here and I still don't have a visa and I'm still waiting on my visa and there's been so many complications with that but I've been able to stay in the country because I've had a processing visa but I'm not allowed to leave the country so I haven't been able to go back to Australia Um, I haven't been able to see any of my family or friends or anything unless they've come here Uh, yeah so that's been a challenge definitely Um, that's a big commitment to come to Anderson South Carolina yeah we bought a one-way ticket and I was determined to make it home. And so I think um, a lot of the challenges maybe that early on would have frustrated me or made me sad, um, the, the homesickness that I felt or, you know, things that I found strange. The weirdest thing for me, honestly, was the food. For months, even now, I still don't know what to eat. I don't know what grits are. <laughs> I don't know why everyone has bacon on everything. I don't know why fast food is okay for people to eat. Um, I just had a real challenge because I was so used to eating a certain way. And I mean, it's just one of those things, I guess, that I didn't realize would be such a challenge when I moved here. Um, Just along with a a bunch of other kind of cultural differences. But it did... It did take time to get used to a new culture, but I bought a one-way ticket and I was determined to make this place home no matter no matter how I felt at any given time. 
So I think that helped. I mean, if I had in my mind, I can always go home if I don't like it, then I wouldn't have given everything and I probably wouldn't have learned half of the things that I learned in the in the process. So, so let's talk about Forge again. You created the space for a space at which you talk about is your happy place, your place to decompress. It's it's simple. It's not consumerism. Was that out of, hey, I want to do this when I get here, or was it, this is so crazy getting here and consumerism is all around me. I need this for my time here, and maybe I can give back. Is is that a correct assumption, or is there other assumptions and things in there that came into the idea of building forage? Literally all of the above, <laughs> everything. Um, yeah, I I wanted I wanted to get to know the city better, and I wanted to get to know people better, and I thought the best way to do that was to actually be in downtown, and I the skill that I had was in floristry, but I, I knew that if I just did it from home, then I wouldn't get the day-to-day interactions with people that I was craving. So um, I definitely wanted, I wanted to know people and that was my vehicle. But when it came to actually designing the space, I designed it for myself, definitely. And what I loved and what I found refreshing and peaceful and I had an inkling that when I designed it for something that I would love then other people would love it too and it's been very very cool to see people travel I mean it's it's ended up having quite a a wonderful following on social media which has been amazing for me because it shows I guess that something different has been popular on a wider level and so maybe when you know a um a grandma's walking past and puts her head in and she says what's this and I say it's a florist she says well where are all the flowers and so maybe that kind of person doesn't really understand but um I've had people travel from Atlanta to come and see the store I've had people travel from Greenville to come and see the store and I wanted something that was uniquely Anderson I didn't want something that was the same as something else because there are so many beautiful creatives in Anderson um, and I wanted people to come to Anderson for something rather than you know people from Anderson going to Greenville for something that's cool or trendy Uh, I wanted to be able to bring that here and it's had its own challenges because people aren't always sure what to do with it because it's different but um, it's been worth pushing through the questions that I've had honestly there have been some very well-meaning people that I, because I've got a lot of white space and a lot of white walls and blank spaces and people will go to um, thrift stores and take photos of $5 paintings that I could put on my wall and say, look, this is only $5. You can put this on your wall because I guess they think that I haven't furnished it because because it's cheaper to not furnish it. But that wasn't, that's, that's not why. And so I have to say like, thank you so much. I really appreciate you thinking of me. Um, that's not the point. Um, but yeah, it was, it was me I guess taking a risk in a way and saying this is what I value and I hope that other people will value it too and maybe people that don't realize that they value it will begin to and um, and it's it's been awesome people use the space for photo shoots they use it for um, 
yeah, to, to create their own things and lots of photographers have wanted to use the space, I guess, for its minimalist aesthetic. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a little bit of everything. It is both for Anderson and for me and it, it has helped me and I hope it's helped Anderson too. Here in South Carolina, like many regions of the country, the southern states or whichever area of, I guess, anywhere you go, um, accents are always a part of the genuineness of individuals. Or some people are like, ah, that person's just different. I remember the first time that we met was in a coffee shop and I was sitting there and I remember Teresa taking your order and you spoke and I was like, that accent is definitely not from Anderson. And so we struck a conversation and I have a question behind this, but I, I, I related to that in many ways. When I moved to Phoenix, Arizona in my mid twenties, um, I had a very rich Southern accent. <laughs> And I moved there, and um, people thought that I was this little southern redneck boy. And at the time, there was a great movie out called The Water Boy, and the star in that was name was Bobby Boucher, and he talked like uh, a good old southern Louisiana boy. <laughs> and you had the same name. That's and perfect. I, and it was so awesome. And so my interview went well, and I, when I flew back in, everything that was set up for me for that job that I took, um, instead of saying Bobby Ratu, it was Bobby Boucher. So on my W-9 and, and all my tax records and all that stuff, for me to sign, they had had it set up that way. On my mailbox, on my email. No way! Because one of the guys started calling me Bobby Boucher out there instead of my name. And so the point is, is that <laughs> we are... That's are, funny. It is funny, but we're attracted to people that are different. And so did you find that when you would walk into a store and someone would meet someone with a different accent and then they would ask you who you are and what you did? What was that interaction like? What was that feeling like? How did those conversations happen here and do they still happen? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't used to it because in Sydney, it's such a melting pot of different cultures. So maybe maybe 30% of people that live in Sydney were born in Sydney. It's, I mean, there's just, there are just so many different cultures there. So everyone is different and it's cool to be different. And we, you know, it, no nobody is the same and there's no kind of conformity. Whereas when I moved here and that wasn't the case I think I realized maybe how much I stuck out even you know and you're wearing a Clemson sweatshirt even right now and I mean I didn't even know what Clemson was um I didn't know the rules of football I I didn't I didn't know a lot of the things that are kind of that unite people culturally here and maybe at first there's a novelty factor for people, but um, I, I guess because I was raised in an environment where conformity isn't cool. When I came here, I had no interest in conforming, and maybe that was perceived sometimes as um, she's different and she doesn't want to be like us, so we can't connect. And so I think, I think culturally 
culturally, I found that people like people that are like them. And they at least like people that want to be like them. Or, or, um, but you are a white woman yeah. with green eyes, blonde hair, yes. and you look like any other person around us. Yes, but I, I talk differently. And I don't want to have the same conversations that some people want to have. And I'm, I'm not going to just sit and talk to someone about the weather. You know, I, I, I want, I, I guess I, because I wasn't raised in this culture, I have a different way of approaching life. And, and so I think people, even though I might look the same on on the outside, people quickly discern that there's there's a difference. And some people have been able to appreciate it, and then some people haven't. And sometimes it feels isolating. Um, but I I have a, a strong nonconformist streak, and I'd rather be authentic to myself than try and be something that someone else wants me to be. And so I guess that's been a a wrestle back and forth in my time here of realizing if I were to speak like this or do this then people might accept me more but I wouldn't feel like I was being authentic and so I would rather be authentic to myself rather than try and be something to win the approval of people. So let's go back to Forage. When you walk in the doors of Forage from the outside, it looks like any other southern storefront. Yes. But when you walk in, everything changes. Wow. There you go. I am my shop. <laughs> That's awesome. You are good, Bobby. You are good. <laughs> but let's let's think about that for a second. How has it been you have been conforming you know you have quote unquote immigrated to this area on a spouse visa you've come to america for the great american dream of business and opportunity to be closer to your and be with your husband and to do those things that the american dream wants but at the same time you've asked people to conform to you too Mm. What's that balance been like? How has the consumerism benefited you when you've asked people to conform to you? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I I see difference maybe more as an opportunity to to think differently or entertain different ideas. Um and maybe that just comes from my background and where I've you know, was raised. Um, yeah, I mean, just just always offering the invitation, the invitation, and and taking invitations to see other people too, and to understand different things in different ways, and and to to hear someone else's story and understand why they are, and that's that's why forage is set up the way it is, so that people have the space to talk and unravel and and so that I can get to know them and and we can get to know each other and we can intersect you know we can we can have an intersection where two very different people can come together and and understand each other um yeah I don't think I don't think it's about conformity I think it's about invitation and we're 
always are either in inviting people in or closing people out all the time in everything that we do um whether we consciously are or not everything's either an, an invitation to come in or it's a door out you know and I think I have wanted to live invitationally rather than con- conforming con- con- what's the word con instead of conforming um I've or, or asking someone to conform to me mm. I've wanted to offer the invitation to understand and I've also taken the invitation to understand others and so yeah that 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 again is a a different culture you know it's less about conforming more about invitation maybe and I'm not even sure that that's the culture of Sydney people just do their own thing and they don't talk to each other and everyone's heads down and they're you know they're headphones are in and no one talks to each other and everyone does their own thing and so there's not much invitation there it's you know it's just the sense that you're different to me and I'm different and it's understood that we're different but we don't have to be like each other and maybe here there's more conversation between people but there's more uniformity um but forage the connection the place Mm. the cross between cultures the the your safe space Mm. will not be here much longer no, potentially not. Yeah. I signed a one-year lease. And when we first moved, I wanted to put down roots to be here forever. And that was my intention. I feel like if I was going to move somewhere, I was going to live there like I was going to live there forever. And I was going to put down roots and build relationships and make family and invest deeply. And I can't imagine doing it any other way. And I'm so glad we did it that way. Um, but, yeah, we've started to have kind of questions about um, – uh, where what culture does to people when they're in it and w- my husband and I I guess have been talking about the American dream and the Australian dream even and just the western dream the dream of you know building an empire for yourself and you know having a, a huge house and and having all of the material things that you want um, and then retiring happy and and that kind of being the the pull of culture and we've just been asking questions is there is there more to life than this kind of dream of materialism that we've been sold um, both of us have been sold and and you know I, I guess from the outside you know I'm a business owner and and we you know live in a small town and I guess from the outside, it looks like we're thriving in the American dream. But my business was such an afterthought and people have always been the focus. And I want to always ask the question, you know, how how can we be loving people better? And, and, and we've noticed, I guess, since we've been here that there's a real temptation to kind of turn a blind eye to a lot of the suffering of the world in the pursuit of just wanting to kind of build our own life here and we don't like that temptation inside of us to forget that the rest of the world you know most of the world lives off less than two dollars a day and 
Um, we never want to just get caught up with our own lives that we forget what's going on in the rest of the world. And so we've been asking questions, you know, what what is the pull of the great American dream and where are we just kind of going along with things because that's what everyone else is doing, you know, to buy a house and, and uh, settle down and have children and just the, the things that we see other people doing. Um, we've just been asking ourselves, is that for us? You know, it might be for them, but is that for us? And we want to be authentic to, to our own desires and, and what we feel like is being placed in our hearts. And so we both feel called, um, called to um, think about what it would look like to give our lives to other nations, um, nations where there's a lot of brokenness and to be able to create a safe space in a broken environment for people that are broken and, and hurting. And I guess sort of like in for, Forage is, is a space for people to come and, and feel safe and to be creative and, and to find peace. And so we've just been thinking about what does it look like to do that, but maybe even potentially in a war zone. And I've always been drawn to the Middle East, like I said, that was where I wanted to live. And so um, we've been talking about um, what that means for us and and to give up the American dream for something that might sustain us a little bit more in our souls for the long run. Something you mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation is something that you've shared with me is that along with the desire to serve other people and be true to yourself you're also being constricted by the rules at which we're having to live specifically you can't leave the country on the current status that you're in and is there reality here that you're facing just the big dilemma of just dealing with visa related stuff and the timeline associated with it talk about your thoughts as it relates to the legality of what you're having to do, if you want to be a citizen or not, and what does that mean long term? I would love to hear that perspective as well. Yeah, well, the reality for us and the reason that we're thinking about these things now is that if we want to go through the with, with the green card process and the citizenship process, then that means I've got to live in America for the majority of, of seven to ten years, which is a long time commitment when you're 24. And and I, I feel like the next decade of my life is critical. And, you know, it's, it's the time where we'll potentially have a, a lot more freedom than we will in our, you know, later 30s and 40s to do the things that we know we want to do and so we're looking down the barrel of a very long citizenship process um, and asking ourselves is that what we do want to do right now is that um, being locked into one place for such a critical time in our lives really what we want or do we want to give the next 10 years to something different and, and reconsider later on in our lives um, going through that citizenship process so it it has it's the the timing of everything and the the deadlines for visa things has really made us think I mean a, a couple of weeks ago we weren't even sure if I would be able to stay in the country past November I mean obviously it's the 12th of November now and I, I haven't had to go anywhere so that's good um, but yeah I mean what is that like not knowing if you can stay it's actually really freeing, <laughs> which sounds 
funny, but it's really freeing because it means I never get too attached to to stuff. I mean, I've learned that you can maintain relationships with people across the world. I've done it. You know, I FaceTime is a wonderful thing. Right. But but we never get too attached to our own dreams or our own desires here um you know to the idea of you know having a house in the countryside and to to you know developing a a a thriving successful business i mean we can't get attached to those things because they're not a guarantee and and really we have to give up the illusion of control that we all feel like we have in some senses where we feel like we have control over our lives but really we we, we don't anything can happen at any time and and so much of of anxiety is caused by a feeling of uncertainty but but I've found that being able to embrace the uncertainty and actually enjoy it and and thrive in it has helped me stay um, helped me to stay centered and I guess peaceful even in the midst of what could be chaotic or or anxious um I think of a time period now where in the walls inside the United States, we are seeing messages of nationalism and turning within and um, against the ideas of global economy and wanting to be a part of a bigger picture. And there's this massive tension between the two. And here you are falling victim to the ideas of this tension and I wouldn't say victim. I mean, you've made the choice. You've made the choice to come here. You knew the possibilities of what would happen. Um, but at the same time, many people would look and say, well, why is she coming here to take advantage of this when she really doesn't want to be here? Mm. But in reality, that's not what America is really about, is it? No, because if 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 I came for a better life, I would have stayed in Sydney I mean I I didn't come here I didn't come here for a better life like maybe other people do I mean Sydney Sydney's one of the most livable cities in the world you know I I lived walking distance to the beach I could you know eat from 20 different restaurants you know if I came for the lifestyle I I would have stayed in I didn't come for the lifestyle I I came for something deeper than that and um, if it was a lifestyle question then you know then yes I, I would be taking advantage of it but I I didn't come from a place where I needed anything from America I didn't come needing something from America and so maybe then because I'm not dependent on America I am thinking differently wouldn't you say that it would be advantageous for the people of Anderson, the business owners of Anderson, the economic development of the county of Anderson, to find ways to keep you here because you bring something unique, something we need to thrive in this business culture? But are we too blind to see it? I mean, it depends on what people want. I mean, 
you know, you can you can be in a city where everyone wants something different all the time and so they don't actually get to enjoy what they have. Mm. Or you can be in a city where people love what they have and so they don't want anything new. Every culture is different. Every city is different. And so Anderson is going to make a decision for Anderson that might be different than what, you know, L.A. would make for L.A. And... I mean, just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely um, a lot of my perspectives are different than than some people in Anderson, not than everyone in Anderson, but definitely than some just because of cultural differences. And, and everyone carries their own biases and things and... Um, you learn from each other and I learned from Anderson and Anderson might maybe I don't know may, maybe not but might learn from from something different from me and we all learn from each other and that's the way we grow and then ultimately people make decisions that suit them best and so yeah it depends on what Anderson wants and it depends on what America wants and it depends on what you know every other country wants and everyone makes a decision that isn't really most people make a decision that's in their best interests and most people don't like things that threaten their security so when you walk back to the shop today Mm. and you walk up to the door you know that you could be here forever or your time could be limited what do you think when you look at that shop I'm just so grateful Mm. I see it as a gift I see I everyone always asks me do you enjoy it and I say it is such a great gift it's a gift to me um the people that I've met have been a gift to me this town has been a gift to me and I will be grateful for it for as long as I'm here and and I never want to hold on to something too tightly that I wouldn't let it go if I needed to. But I am immensely grateful and grateful for my for my little shop and grateful for my little piece of Anderson and grateful for the people of Anderson and what it's done and, and deposited in me that I couldn't have found without it. So, yeah, gratitude. Thank you. It has been the most awesome pleasure to meet someone from yet another different country in little small Anderson that it is my hope that the little Anderson can find a way to keep people like you because you bring so much more to Anderson that's more than what we expect I really hope you can stay well thank you so much for having me and for for speaking into me and for stretching me and um yeah this place is better because of you and your creative mind and your desire for storytelling and to 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 place value upon people through telling their story and um, I'm really grateful for you and I know that the the town and everyone who's listening to this podcast is also also grateful so thanks Bobby thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed the conversation intersection is powered by touchpoint media network podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.